What ended up was we spent a whole bunch of money and we got into the retail side. We acquired property, we acquired vehicles, we acquired all types of things to run the business. However, we were losing around 5,000 US dollars a month. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm on a mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. To reduce risk in your life, go to myworstinvestmentever.com today and take the risk reduction assessment I created from the lessons I've learned from more than 500 guests. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Academy, and I'm here with featured guest AJ Aluthwala. AJ, are you ready to join the mission? Thank you, Andrew, for having me. Really appreciate you. Yeah, I'm glad to have you with us. I want to introduce you to the audience. AJ is a specialist in discovering, planning, and executing customized online marketing strategies for businesses to attract massive amounts of online traffic and convert that traffic into sales. He also helps companies develop their own proprietary apps to help them improve customer experience and increase the value of their business. AJ has worked with over 200 companies around the U.S. and worldwide and has lived and worked in Asia, Europe, and North America and has visited over 15 countries around the world and lives in the sunny climes of Florida. And he's been there since 2000. 14. And I do want to mention that you had said that you had a special offer, which was a free white paper on five things to look for when selecting a mobile app developer, which for everyone out there, you can download at com and look for the free gift. And I'll have a link to that in the show notes. So AJ, tell us just a minute about the unique value that you bring to this wonderful world. Thank you, Andrew. The uh, unique value I bring to the world of online marketing is my team and the experience the customers have with us. Obviously, there are so many web developers, app developers out there who can promise the world, but not deliver on those promises. We have a proven method to see customer success, and that is the uniqueness we bring to the table. One of the reasons why I was excited to talk to you today is because I have, I have challenges in both these areas. Number one, driving traffic to my websites, whether that's myworstinvestmentever.com or the Valuation Masterclass as another website. Or I also have an issue where I have a proprietary Excel model that I've developed over 20 years. It has a lot of coding in it and all that. And I use it in my valuation masterclass. And just yesterday, I was talking with someone about creating an app for that. And I am terrified to start that process because I did it about five years ago with something and it just didn't work. I just couldn't make it work. So I would like for you to give me and the listeners some advice or ideas 
from your own experience about kind of what are the first steps. And obviously, I'm going to download your white paper and read through that and try to understand that about mobile apps. But I'd love to get your high level thoughts on on my challenges, which I know are the challenges of many of my listeners. Yeah. So um, I think, you know, you need to, uh, first of all, find a company who uh, was really good at, you know, what they claim to do. So checking references, I would say is the number one thing you want to do. Just check the references. Once you find someone, you obviously have a conversation with the main person, whether it's the owner or a project manager or the sales guy, have that conversation and see whether you you kind of, you know, jive with those folks and then ask for references, look at their Google reviews and maybe uh, if they have any video testimonials from their current clients or past clients, dive kind of, you know, deep into them. Because those will really give you an idea about whether they can deliver on promises. Now, we all have been there where we listen to the sales message and then get lured in. And then when you start with the production team, then you have a completely different experience, right? So I will really dive deep into the production, the communication, because there are so many app developers who are out there that are extremely talented. And I don't think, you know, we live in a world where, where there is lack of talent, but it's how that lack of talent or the talent is communicated, right? How talented people can work with others towards kind of a agreed upon mission, right? So those are very, very important aspects to my company, Eliapps, and for everyone who's part of Eliapps, we try to make sure that we set great expectations up front and we try to exceed those expectations. So to kind of recap, have a conversation with them, see what your gut tells you, right? So that's number one, check the references, look into Google reviews, and then dive deep into their process because that process will give you an idea about whether they are a good fit for you or not. And then make sure that you set expectations up front for communication, because you don't want to be in the dark when you are going through a project, which is multi-month, maybe it might go beyond an year, right? So that's very important. It's interesting because every friend of mine that's tried to develop an app has ended up in trouble and they've tried to outsource it then they switched the outsourcer, then they tried to insource it, and they had problems there. And it's funny because I was talking to the CEO and the founder of one of the businesses that I advise that is developing an app. And basically what I was saying is that it is, we're not in a modern era. It's like we're in the stone ages when it comes to apps and all of this stuff. I mean, it's really cool. And yeah, what you realize is that like Facebook and others just have thousands of developers that they're throwing at things and they're coming up with something. But the typical company that wants to do an app, it is 10 times harder than it appears. And that's strange because aren't we in the tech age and isn't everything so modern? But really what I found is that it is not as easy as it appears. You're absolutely right. I think, again, you know, going back to my previous point, it's the expectations versus delivery. That There's that gap 
between this is what I expect and here's what I'm going to get, right? So, and the other thing is a lot of app developers who are out there, they are very technical. They are very talented. However, if there's no project managers, if there are no analysts, business analysts who can bridge the gap between the developers and the clients, and you are trying to talk to the developers directly, that's like talking to someone who speaks a foreign language, maybe literally, but speaks, you might both be speaking English, but what you are saying is not what, what they're understanding, right? Maybe even this applies for a native English speaker, even when you have the technical brain, things work a little differently. So find a team who has a couple of layers between the developers and yourself, which will make your experience much better because that middle layer, the sandwich will try to, they will even try to understand themselves. What is going on, right? Why are we not understanding this? So that will ease the pain on your side. That's good. So that's a good lesson. Like try to avoid working directly with a programmer because they may be speaking in a different language. Well, right. Yeah. You don't, yeah. You don't want to work with a, especially a one-man show, you know, you want to work with a team, right? You know, the one-man show can come and go. When you have a team, there's assurance too that the team is going to survive even if the app develop, that particular developer leaves. Okay. Well, now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstance leading up to it and then tell us your story. Oh, absolutely. Uh, this is a fun story. Uh, and my worst investment is getting into a business with a friend to help that friend, right? So, uh, and it happened around 2013 time period we were having a uh, retail business with another partner and we did not want to, I'm sorry, not a retail business, a wholesale business. And we did not want to get into the retail side at all because we knew that the retail side is cutthroat. However, we had a friend who came over and basically pleaded and begged to get him involved in our business. But his idea was to take that wholesale business to retailers for better profit and bigger margins and so on and so forth. What ended up was we spent a whole bunch of money and we got into the retail side. We acquired property, we acquired vehicles, we acquired all types of things to run the business. However, we were losing around 5,000 US dollars a month which was excruciatingly painful when it happens every month. And, you know, when you are making good revenue, when you make $60,000 a month, but when you lose 5000 what are you doing, right? Then you are a pass-through entity, which is on a negative cash flow, which is a bad position to be in. So we had to uh, close everything up in a few months, and talk to our landlord. We did not part ways in good terms. The uh, friendships just fell apart. All that, you know, the, the great friendship and we've been friends forever. All of that just fell apart and we don't even talk to each other. That is, I think, you know, it's a financial and emotional big time fail. And that I see as my worst investment ever. 
Can you remember the day when you realized we got to shut this down? I do. I do remember that day because I even had to borrow $10,000 from my wife to keep this afloat because I've gone really, I mean, you know, in, dug really bad into the hole. And we even spent that 10 grand paying off all our the people whom we are in debt to. And we are still losing money. Actually, I remember the day because I had to go and close my own personal checking account because debtors were pulling money from my account. And I had to close it out because we were in a really, really bad situation. And, and you know, it's very painful. I have to ask your wife and close your account. How were you feeling at that time? How I was feeling? I mean, I, I felt like, you know, I mean, there, there's... My world has come to an end. Yeah. I remember, you know, it was not just that business which was which was affected because of all of that negativity. All my other businesses were affected as well because all my energy now goes towards, you know, just managing this very poor situation. And it's not just the financial resources, the emotional drain it has on going through a certain experience like that is extremely, uh, it's bad, right? So <laughs> it's a very uh, bad situation to be in. So how would you describe the lessons that you learned from this experience? My number one lessons, I think, you know, there are two lessons. Number one lesson is don't get in business with anybody or just with yourself based on emotion, get into business based on numbers. Do your research, look at numbers. If numbers make sense, then you should start the business or not get into that business at all. Number two, I would say is you might want to uh, always start. I mean, we always want to you know, start businesses with uh, people whom we know, like, and trust, right? No, namely friends or people whom we think who are good friends or who can be a great business partner. I think, you know, you can, you have to choose those decisions very wisely because you can be a better business partner by not getting into a business or you can be a better businessman by not getting into business with certain friends if you see that you know there is no real path forward got it maybe i'll summarize some of the takeaways i get the first one is this shiny object syndrome right where you are on a path to accomplish something and someone comes along or an idea comes out of the team that hey we ought to do this and then you find yourself being distracted by this shiny object that you may or may not have thought was a good idea in the past, but all of a sudden you're caught up in it. And this is also what I call the, the chasing revenue phase of a business, because very rarely do you start a business and you get the revenue from exactly where you thought you were going to get it. You're going to get it somewhere else. So the dilemma is, is that you've got to stay open to new ideas because you need the revenue, but you've got to make sure that you don't make the wrong choice or get distracted. And that is ultimately an allocation of energy, as you've said about emotion, the emotional energy, and it's, it's really the ultimate job of the entrepreneur. And it's the reason why the entrepreneur ultimately makes the big bucks in the end 
because if they continue to learn how to allocate resources to various ideas, they eventually come up with something after chasing revenue and all that that works. The second thing is, you know, I really, after many, many interviews, after talking to so many people in business, I have one very simple piece of advice, simple, but not easy piece of advice for every startup. And that is create on time and accurate monthly financial statements and review them for one hour a month with the team. And if you do this, you expose what's happening. Most of the times what's happening in the companies in startups is that you're going on the wrong path and everybody knows it, but nobody really wants to talk about it or really address it head on. But when you see the financial numbers coming in, now most people don't do this because either they say, I don't know how to do that, or it costs more to hire the accountant to close the books on a monthly basis. But I'm telling you that this, particularly if you're trying to build a business that's you know serious and will someday maybe be sold. So those are some of the takeaways that I have. Anything you would add to that? Absolutely. So Andrew, you know, that was a great learning experience. You know, so any failures are really opportunities to learn, right? So I learned a lot from that and I've taken those failures and with my current businesses, we uh, run them in uh, the exact fashion which you just described. We do a, a monthly review call and then we have a bookkeeper on staff who keeps the book straight not at the year end, but they, every day they are making sure the books are straight, the accounts are reconciled. And we also practice profit first accounting. You might have heard about it. And we implemented it a few years ago and it has basically uh, revolutionized the finances. So we are in a great position now, but back in the day, I had no clue what I was doing. So uh, great lesson learned there. So based upon what you've learned from this story and what you've continued to learn, what you just told us, some of what you've yeah. continued to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? Let's imagine some young people that have their little business just where you were. What yeah. would you recommend? One thing. Yeah, the one thing I would recommend is make sure you run the numbers. Make decisions based on numbers, not with emotion. That's it. Yeah. If you, if you don't, if you don't get into the numbers, you know, just don't make up the numbers, but get the numbers somehow. If you say that you cannot get the numbers from wherever, then you can't do it. You just can't do it. You have to pull the numbers of comparable businesses from whatever the resources. There are plenty of resources that are available to you. You can obviously search online. You can go to the local library. As a librarian, if you don't know where to search, they'll be able to help you out. You can talk to a business coach. The money you'll spend on a business coach will be well worth it. So find your numbers and then get into business. Don't run into any business or try to start any business based on emotion. Just because someone else is doing it, you see their successes. You don't really see the failures and think, oh, yeah, you know, I can do the same thing. Don't do that because that's a bad way to get into any kind of business. So run your numbers and know your numbers. 
Great. And I'm going to answer the next question I have, which is about a resource. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure you go download that white paper, Five Things to Look For When Selecting a Mobile App Developer. I'll have the link to that in the show notes. Last question. What is your number one goal for the next 12 months? My number one goal for the next 12 months is to expand the team because we have a few more projects starting up. When I say expand the team, it's not just expansion, but I want to build an A-grade team. We have a very solid team, but we want to take it to the next level with the expansion. As you know, Andrew, as you expand teams, you know, you, you run into all kinds of problems. So, but we, we want to uh, expand the team and still maintain the same standard. Our team is actually uh, based in a few different places. So we have a team here in the US, my partner of 16 years in Winnipeg, Canada. We have a team there. Then we have a team in Sri Lanka. My assistant who reached out to you is in Venezuela. We have someone from Peru working for us. So our team is all over the, the world. And as we expand, we have to take into account several different things as well, you know, things like culture, language, things which you don't even think about when it comes to expanding a team. So we are very sensitive to, to a global team and how that expansion works. So uh, that's our main goal in uh, in the next 12 months, expanding a team, but maintaining the same or better standard for the entire team. It's amazing how, you know, for the listeners out there, how easy it is now to set up a global team. Well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. If you haven't yet taken the risk reduction assessment, I challenge you to go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now and start building wealth the easy way by reducing risk. As we conclude, AJ, I want to thank you again for joining our mission. And on behalf of ASTOTS Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Thank you, everyone, for listening in. Really appreciate you. As Andrew mentioned, go to eliaps.com, click on free gift to get your free gift. And if you'd like to connect with me, go to aja360.com. That is, again, aja360.com. And you'll be able to connect with me on multiple social media platforms, as well as see the ways you can connect with me. Fantastic. Well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our well fellow risk takers. This is it time to celebrate that today we added one more person to our mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying, I'll see you on the upside.